0: Hello Brother Masons and YouTubers, how is everyone today? Uh, It has been a long time since I've made a video. Honestly, it feels like I've been out of the loop as far as YouTubing goes, so I apologize for those of you that follow me, I hope I didn't drop the ball on you guys. Um, I'll go ahead and point out though, at this point, if you don't follow me on Facebook or Instagram, there has been a lot of content that has still been coming out. I do still make smaller videos on an on a almost regular basis, once every one week or two. Um, I'll put the links here. You know, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram. There's still lots of content, even if I'm not throwing out YouTube videos. Uh, and you could definitely keep up with me that way also. So I'm really excited about this video. Today, I'm going to talk about rites of passage and Freemasonry. So for those of you that don't know, the degrees of Freemasonry are rites of passage. And I wrote a blog post about this about a week or two ago, and I've shared it, like I always do. And there are several brothers that are like, well, duh, I know that already. Well, great. If you already understand that rites of passage exist in Freemasonry, wonderful. But we're still going to cover a lot of things besides just pointing out what may be obvious facts for you. Specifically, why the degrees in Masonry are are rites of passage. So what specifically makes them rites of passage? as well as what can we do to emphasize and maximize the impact that they are supposed to have. So first of all, I really wanna point out, rites of passage are important, and this applies to both sexes. But since Freemasonry is for men, we're gonna talk about specifically how rites of passage are important for men before we actually get into the rites of passage in Freemasonry. So we still have rites of passage today, but the problem is that they have lost their emphasis. They're not designed with the impact in mind that they're supposed to have. So a man will go through a rite of passage and be no different than he was when he goes in. Um, now there still are really excellent rites of passage out there that do change the person. For example, I went through the military. I, I spent four years in the Air Force. Boot camp is a rite of passage. There are several aspects of boot camp that fit into phases of a rite of passage that we'll talk about, it definitely changes you as a person. And that's what's important to understand. A rite of passage is a, is an experience or a series of experiences that represent a transition in your life. You go from point A to point B in your life through a rite of passage. This can be from a, a child to a man. It could be from a a man to a father, it could be from a man to a soldier, it could be from a man to a mason, which is what we'll get into specifically. Some of these rites of passage have existed for centuries. This is nothing new. The issue is, in many cases, far too often, they have been watered down, the importance has been taken away from them, and so we go through the motions of a rite of passage, but The impact is not there. Therefore, there is no change. And for many men, they go through no impactful rites of passage in their entire life. And this is a real concern because there is a growing number of men in the United States right now that are totally aimless. They don't know what to do. They they are just drifting through life. And there's high rates of depression, high rates of suicide among men, especially in those that that have been in the service and things like that. And there is there's there's like there's just no feeling of meaning for these people. And so you're aimless. And this is where you get these man children that we have now, men in their twenties and their thirties. In some cases, even getting up close to their forties, that, that still, you know, live with mom in some cases. They they don't work, they just sit around all day and do nothing and they don't they know in their heads what they should do but why 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 is this an epidemic why is this happening and i would tell you that i believe a strong reason for this is cuz we don't have impactful rites of passage anymore and the thing is as men we seek those things out we seek out rites of passage because a rite of passage represents guidance it represents that transition you know that a man will know it like, I'm not fulfilling what I should be doing. I need to move on to that next stage in life. And there's something in us, innate in men, that we want those rites of passage. We want the lessons that are taught us. We want to so We want to say, you have passed through these trials. You are now a man, or you are now a soldier, or you are now a mason. Some people will say, well, you shouldn't have to have it spelled out. But. It seems like you do, doesn't it? You need that. You need someone to actually say, this is what you have passed through. These were your trials. This was the test. And congratulations, you are now one of us. This is what's expected of you. And you need we need to be held to that standard. So a rite of passage is important. It has a profound psychological effect on a man. Those rites of passage are, 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 are very powerful. So... We've talked about rites of passage for a while. What are the components of a rite of passage? Because like I said earlier, Freemasonry has rites of passage, but what specifically makes those degrees rites of passage? To put it simply, it has three phases that you have to go through to be considered a rite of passage. The first phase, separation. The second phase is transition. And the third phase is reinvestment let's look at those a little bit more closely so separation so in this phase this is where the initiate undergoes a process and they are initiates when you're going through the rite of passage you are being initiated so therefore in a rite of passage you are referred to as an initiate so this is the point where an initiate is separated from the old version of themselves this can be symbolic but could also be represented in various ways For example, you could be divested of your clothing. Separation of your senses can also be considered a a part of that separation stage. And that is also profoundly significant because when you are separated from your senses, you are forced to rely on your other senses. Your hearing, for example, if you cannot see, your hearing will be heightened. Your sense of feeling will be heightened. Your sense of smell will be will be heightened as well. And so these these other senses that are being forced to work in overtime to compensate will pick up things in the environment they, they would not have otherwise noticed. Uh, being uh, you know separated from other aspects, for example, your clothing. So you may be asked in various rites of passage, you may be asked to change into different clothing. Uh, for example, a baptism. A baptism is a rite of passage. And so when you go into that back room, you're typically asked to uh, take off what you're wearing. And usually they'll have some kind of like a like a robe or a gown or some, you know, just something simple that you can put on. So this, the second stage is called transition. So this is like a state of limbo. You're still, you're you're not what you used to be, but you haven't moved on to the next stage in your life. You've been separated from your former self, from your you know, in the first stage, but you haven't moved on to whatever you're trying to extend to. And so this is a period of transition. And in this period, you're given uh, lessons that you are supposed to, that you're supposed to take to heart, or you're given uh, a test that you have to pass. And these are, these are all typically common experiences. So everyone is separated the same way. Everyone experiences the same thing when they go through that transition. And so it's a, common shared experience that make you, that bring you closer together at the end with uh, your brothers. But what's interesting about the transition is this is, like I hinted at, this is where you're actually taught the lessons you have to know to either uphold what's expected of you or to move on to the next stage after. And these are very common in honor groups, which Freemasonry is. And so you'll, you'll be told what the standard is that you have to uphold. And then once you pass those tests, once you have moved through this transitionary period, you move on to the next stage. A quick side note that's interesting about the transition period is, I believe there's actually two transition periods in Freemasonry. You, you go through a transition period during every degree. Every degree has its own transition period. But if you look at the big picture, you're taught... How do I want to word this? You're actually you're 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 taught something specific for every degree, but you're also if you look at everything you're taught from a from a from a if you like take a step back and look at everything, you're there's a transition period between the time that you receive you know you're separated at your first degree, and the time you're reinvested, you know in your last degree. So the all three degrees also represent a transition period in itself. And it's not to say that one is more important than the other. It's not to say that the that this big transition period is not as important as the transition period for one degree, but it is the sum of the whole. And so, the the transition that should happen, the change that should happen in you as a person, from the time you begin your inner apprentice degree to the time you finish your inner apprentice degree, will be a smaller change than it should be the time you start your apprentice degree to the time you finish your master's degree the last stage is reinvestment so this phase occurs when the initiate has successfully undergone everything that was expected of him during that transition phase and he has moved on to the next stage in his progress at this point he is accepted into the group as one of them so this is the point where you're finally called a mason this is the point where you're you know you get done and you shake everybody's hand and they're like welcome to the fraternity welcome to be one of us you're now a mason so this is where you change out of what the lodge gives you to wear and you put on your own clothing again and you go around and everyone pats you on the back and tells you good job and they're proud of you and, and welcome that's the reinvestment period so let's take a step back and look at this i just want to just think out loud with everybody okay so if we know that a degree is a rite of passage, and then we can nail down all the phases of a rite of passage, and you can look at those and compare that to what we know about a degree work and say absolutely every degree represents a rite of passage for whoever's going through it. Not only that, if we know of passages, rites of passage are really important for men and we know that they are supposed to be impactful and life-changing, then why do we lose men when they receive their Intent Apprentice Degree? Why do we not retain people that we bring into the fraternity? If, if men are naturally seeking out these rites of passage, if they're seeking out these things that have meaning, then why is it that we provide that, or we think we do, And we can't keep them. So that that tells you that there should be a disconnect somewhere. We have rites of passage. Men are seeking rites of passage. But somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between, we're losing them. And I would tell you that what lies in between is your implementation. In fact, in regards to a rite of passage, implementation is everything. Everything. So let's say we have a guy. And he says friend getting baptized and he, you know, wants to, he doesn't want to be left behind. You know, he sees a friend doing it. He feels it's important that he should do it too. He doesn't necessarily, he hasn't necessarily built up to it. It's not necessarily an important thing for him. So he'll go through the baptism and he's no different than he was. So the point I'm making is if that rite of passage is not built up, if it is not done correctly, And if that initiate is not ready for that rite of passage, you're wasting everybody's time, it won't have a desired impact, and in fact, it may have the opposite of the desired impact. And here's the thing, we've all heard the saying, Freemasonry takes good men and makes them better. If you believe that, then you absolutely want your rites of passage to have profound and lasting impact on the initiates. Hands down. So that means we need to start ensuring that we are adopting good practices, healthy practices that will actually allow us to create that desired impact in our degrees. But before we do that, before we can move on and look at how we can fix what we're doing wrong, we have to look at what we're actually doing wrong. And there are certain things that every lodge is doing or at least the majority of lodges are doing that are having negative impacts that are actually detracting away from the impact that that rite passage is supposed to have. Uh, I have a list. It's not comprehensive. There's many more things out there that I'm sure that I haven't thought of, but this is a good start. If you can address these uh, errors that your lodge is making, or that rather if most lodges are making, and it's safe to say that at least one of them is probably happening in your lodge today, then acknowledge these errors are being made, and then we'll look at how we can fix them. And once they are fixed, um that should have that should be getting us on the right track. And many of these things that I'm going to uh discuss are nothing new. I've addressed them. Other podcasts, other YouTube channels have addressed them. This is nothing new. But the thing is, and the reason it's worth pointing out, is an error pointed out once never gets fixed. An error has to present itself time and time and time again for people to actually look at it and say, maybe there's something about this. Maybe this is worth actually doing something to fix. So I have nine errors that really are essential that we look at and fix right now. Number one, we got to stop giving men petitions as soon as they show interest in the fraternity. I've actually seen complete strangers walk into the lodges who know, they know nothing they know nobody in that or in that lodge. They express their interest, they're given a petition right then, they have everybody they have everything signed before they walk out. And all they gotta do is go and fill it out and come back for an investigation. And I'm telling you, if I am looking to join the Freemasons which are an old and respected and exclusive organization and they bring me in and give me a petition and sign it the first time i even show a pulse in their organization any kind of interest at all and they they latch onto me like starving hyenas that desperation is going to be obvious and i'm going to wonder something's up because this is not what i thought it was these men are desperate to get someone in, I and if they're giving me a petition as soon as I come in, who else is getting them as soon as they show interest? No, it's a bad habit. Number two is performing poor investigations, and this ties in real close to my last point. You've got to know who these people are that are going into their lodge. You have to investigate them, and don't just sit them all down. Don't just sit down with them, with, the, with everyone else on the investigation committee, in the lodge, at the table, go through the, go through the questions, and then be done with it. You, you, we, you have to start doing investigations more seriously and understanding that the people that you let in your organization will have a profound negative or positive impact on the health of your organization in the future. Number three, not giving the petitioner time to get to know the lodge and vice versa. So this ties in with number one. You've got to give this guy time to know who's in the lodge. He has to know what you're about, and you have to know what he's about. And if you give him the petition as soon as he shows up and start dragging him through the grease as fast as you can, you've missed that opportunity to get to know that guy. Because he may not be the right fit for your organization, but we're so excited to see someone turn in the petition, we're just getting him through it. Number four, rushing him through the grease. You see, these things are all following a common uh, denominator. Uh, rushing them through the degrees. The degrees are the lifeblood of our organization. That is the absolute is essence of Freemasonry is the degrees. Okay, And if you're rushing them through it, well, first of all, these are rites of passage. If you're rushing them through it, you're not emphasizing the important things. You're not actually teaching him the lessons of every degree. You're just having him memorize stuff so he can turn in the next thing and so he can eventually become a master mason to start walking through the chairs and what's the point of that? What's the benefit? Teach him! Do the degrees well and when I say do the degree work I mean know your role know what you're teaching him know your actual role when you are doing the degrees take the degrees seriously they're solemn occasions Treat them like that. I could go on. Number six: cluttered and dirty anterooms and lodges. Guys, I've been to so many lodges that were built in the 40s or 50s or 60s, and have not been updated or touched since then. Okay, you have the the wood panels from the from the 60s or the 80s, carpet that has probably changed color since it was originally put in because it's so old and so gross. You have saggy ceiling tiles that are look like tea bags. You know they they change colors. Your your building stinks. It smells bad. Come on, the ante room is a broom closet or a coat rack. You know, and this guy's in here getting ready for his degree, going through the separation period, and he's looking at a a a, a computer from the eighties and a dang vacuum that hasn't been touched in twenty years sitting in the same room next to him that's not an ante room that's not preparing him for anything it, it sets the tone and it's telling him that clearly this part this degree this phase of this degree is not important enough for them to actually separate it from everything else what i'm doing is not important enough to have its own space we have we have vacuum cleaners and coats and Hats and boxes and old magazines and old books just sitting in this room, piled up in there. Seven failure to prepare the candidate for his degree beforehand. What's the easiest way to tell someone that what they're going through is important? Tell them what they're going through is important. And you, you need to tell these candidates so many things. And and it sounds stupid, but you see people that show up for the degree night, and they don't realize I had to pay degree fees. Or they'll turn in their master's work and say, oh, I didn't realize I had to pay dues for this. Or they'll get their EA degree, and you'll be told, okay, you have to memorize all these things, and they didn't realize that there was so much memorization associated with it. Tell these people these things. If you're taking the time and actually not rushing through the degrees, use that time to show them what your lodge is about. Teach them how you do things. That way, when they're actually in the lodge on the roster they know what's expected of them and if that's not something they're interested in they can leave before that ever becomes an issue and number nine not telling him what he can expect from us or even worse telling him what we can expect and never deliver if you tell a man that we take good men and make them better and then you do nothing to make him better you rush him through the grease and then, as soon as he's a master mason, you start putting him through uh, through uh, fundraisers. If you never have education in your lodge, if you just don't act masonic in any way, and all you have are business meetings and fundraisers, then then you have you have failed to deliver. You have done the bait and switch on this guy. You have promised him rites of passage. You have promised this man. A mastermind group where he could learn from his peers you have promised him an honor group and if you do not deliver on these things the lodge and the fraternity and his teachers have failed that man and it's no surprise if he didn't show back up so let's look at what we can do to fix these things and these are pretty obvious I think number one don't give that man a petition as soon as he shows interest Require him to come to your lodge for a fixed period of time and that could vary by your lodge and vary by how many people already know this guy and get everyone to get to know him. So what does this mean when I say get him up here? If your lodge meets uh, if your lodge eats before meetings, he needs to be there. If you meet if you golly, if you eat after meetings, then he needs to be there. If you're having events, and I don't care what kind of events they are, if there's something that he can be at, he needs to be there. And look, if this guy doesn't take the time to show up as a non-member, then why do you think he's going to take the time to show up as a member? And you can say, well, he might not have time. His job might not allow it. You know, his family may be busy. You know what? Those things still apply, even when he turns in his degree work, even when he receives his degrees. So whatever reasons keep him out now before he, while he's a petitioner are going to keep him out of your lodge when he turns in his work. You're going to keep him out of your lodge when he gets his degrees. So, how's he going to benefit from this? How's the lodge going to benefit from this? Number two, thoroughly investigate your petitioners. This involves more than just sitting around, round robbing this guy in a table at the lodge. Okay? There are great investigation manuals out there. Many Grand Lodges have put some forward. Nothing about this is official, but I do have uh, a guide to investigations that uh, you can check out in my blog. Nothing is official from any Grand Lodge that I share in that blog. So uh, I don't think that anything I share is actually representing the Grand Lodge of Texas or anything like that. So by all means, go for it. Um, Number three, don't rush him through his memory work. So the catechisms are more than just words, okay? They are, if if you take it for face value, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. But the thing is, it's still a mile wide, but the, the, the memory work goes so deep. There's so much to learn from this. So much to unpack from, from, from basic sentences that you can learn that are important for this person to understand. And if you don't know it, that's a great opportunity for you to learn and grow as a man and as a Mason as well. I'm, I'll tell you right now, as a little side note, teaching candidates, teaching People, the catechisms, or the memory work, or whatever you want to call it, is one of the most rewarding things you can do as a mason because it requires you to step up your game. They'll ask you questions that you have to know. And so that's such a great opportunity to learn things. Don't rush into the work. Teach them the lessons. Number four, know your degree work and practice. Like I said, if you know two weeks in advance that you're going to be the junior warden or or a master ceremony, There's no reason for you to screw it up. I say that. There's no reason for you to go in there. Let me back up. There's no reason for you to go in there unprepared. That sounds better. Because the thing is, even the most prepared person can go in front of everyone in the lodge room and and just totally just brain fart and forget everything he learned. I understand that. That happens to the best of us. I saw uh, a very respected brother who is a very knowledgeable into lectures, uh, and I've heard him give countless lectures. He just stood up there in a in a, in a I don't remember what it was. I think it was a fellow craft degree. No, it was a master's degree, and he just forgot it. You know, it happens. And sometimes we'll go, we'll show up to a degree, not expecting to have a role, and someone didn't show up. All of a sudden, we got to fill in. I get that. I understand that happens. But if I know a month in advance I'm going to be doing this guy's role, I there's no reason I shouldn't be prepared for it. Now, once I get there, I start saying it. If I brain fart and forget about it, that's one thing. But there's no reason I can't go over that and practice it with some brothers before I get there. And I mean, well before I get there. Number five, clean and update that lodge. Do it. Do it. And it doesn't take a lot of people. Okay? It's great. It goes by faster. It's easier with a lot of brothers. But just get it done. Just get it done. Any progress. It's better than no progress. And when you have lodges that have sat there for 20 or 30 years with no progress going, getting done to update, clean the place up, even baby steps are an improvement. Okay? Fix those lodges. And here's a little tip. All right? Sometimes you meet resistance when you're trying to update the lodge. I get it. I understand. But sometimes we expect there to be resistance, and there's none. Sometimes we wage battles in our own heads about these kind of things. Just do it. Ask for permission. Bring it up in the lodge and, and do it. Or, or ask to be put on the building committee and just start working. Okay? Sometimes, it just doesn't apply to every situation, but sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. And the lodge is still better for it. I'm not saying just go out there and knock out a wall without asking anybody. But small things, Just do it, man. Fix your lodge. And here's the thing, the people that'll that'll naysay and and, and, and question it and to uh, do the analysis paralysis as far as, you know, fixing anything, those guys, you know, they haven't done anything. So who are they to criticize? Just do it. And if they don't appreciate you fixing their lodge up, go somewhere that they will. Number six, be upfront about our expectations the mo- from the moment he expresses interest. That doesn't mean give him a petition, but tell him what we're about. There's lots of things we could tell people that are interested in the fraternity without giving away the secrets. Yes, we have dues. Yes, we have degree fees. This is what they are. Yes, we do actually expect people to show up whenever they can. You know, as a member, you are you do have obligations to the fraternity. There are exceptions, but these exceptions are not the the get-out-of-lodge-free card that so many of us use for every meeting. Understand there's a time commitment. You'll have to memorize a lot of stuff. I mean, really, especially the brothers that have memorized, uh, here in Texas, we call them like uh, certificate holders. So like the A certificate, you have to know how to open and close all degrees, how to confer all degrees, uh, the questions and answers for every degree, and the lectures for every degree. And that is a monumental achievement of the mind. And so if this guy wants to go as far as he can, if he wants to if he wants to learn everything there is to learn. There's a lot to learn. And frankly, even just the memory work, at least here in Texas, is exhaustive, especially in the first degree. So tell the people that you will have to learn a lot of stuff. And if you feel like you can't memorize things then this may not be for you. And that's not being rude. It's what we expect. We don't we shouldn't expect to lower our standards for somebody and no one going, no one petitioning the lodge, no one showing interest expects the fraternity to lower its standards for them. Number seven is be upfront what he can expect from us as well. So tell him, Freemasonry, we offer rites of passage. We do take our work seriously. This is not a service organization. Tell him these things. And if you have to, get with the brothers at your lodge and come up with this list. All these things. Formalize it at your lodge. And say, this is how we're going to do things from now on. So look, here's the thing. This sounds like a lot of work. It is. But this is a, look, Freemasonry is about work. There's nothing in Freemasonry that you'll ever learn in any of the degrees, any of the catechisms, any of the lectures that, that, Put put laziness up on a pedestal like it's some kind of virtue. But we have we we talk about people that that did work. We exemplify them. We exemplify uh, instruments that are used to work. We're all about work, and improvement doesn't happen without work. That's internally and externally in our lodge. It's work. Sorry. So if you want to improve your lodge. If you're looking for like a, like a quick, easy fix to, 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 to bring your lodge to the next level, then just unsubscribe from my channel because I have nothing I can offer you. And that sounds condescending, it sounds negative, but it's, it's factual. There's no quick and easy way to fix a lodge. It's work. And there's lots of lodges that need to be fixed. And there's lots of brothers that are willing to put in the work, but they don't know what to do. And that's what this is here for. So I firmly believe if a lodge begins implementing these practices, if they stop doing these negative practices and do these better practices that will actually uh, have more positive results, I firmly believe that it will create the impact in the rites of passage that we desire. This means that we will be retaining men these men will be getting more out of their membership in our fraternity. And we will actually thrive at the large level, at the grand large level, and at the individual level. So in conclusion, guys, look, the degrees of Freemasonry, hands down, no question about it, are rites of passage. Okay? And rites of passage are meant to be transformative and life-changing. And this is what we promise people. This is what we say when we say we take good men and make them better. That's what we're promising. If a rite of passage represents a transition from point A to point B, then that transition in Freemasonry is we take good men and make them better by making them Masons. That's point B. And how do we do that? We initiate them through a series of rites of passage. So therefore, the rites that we associate with every degree they are extremely important to what we do, um, and sure the education goes on after. Uh, there should be education in every meeting and everything. But the but the the foundation of our organization lies in these rites of passage, and so it's so essential that we put them back up on that pedestal. We build them back up to what they are. These are important. These are sacred and solemn, and there should be 1 degree for 1 man 1 night and, and and that's his night and this is important and this is this is life changing and solemn and then when he's done when he's reinvested he gets patted on the back and his hands shaking and you take him out for a drink because he is a brother he is one of you anyway so i have absolutely no doubt that no matter how i edit this video it's gonna be a much longer video than I had planned. But as you can probably tell, I am very, very pumped about this. Uh, I love talking about this because this is this is it. This is everything. This is what Freemasonry is about, those rites of passage. I mean, that's that's what makes the man the Mason. And so it's so important that we that we get with it. And there's so many lodges that are doing things right that are taking these things seriously. and I mean, I, hats off to you. Uh, you have my utmost my respect because I know that was an uphill battle for you to get that Lodge to that point. You understand what work it is if you've already done this. And so you can no doubt verify that it's a ton of work to get your Lodge where it needs to be. But it is worth it, guys. Without a doubt. So, all that being said, if you haven't already, please, be sure to um, like this video and share it. If you got anything of value out of it at all, please share it with your lodge, share it with your brothers. Uh, please subscribe and be sure that, that way you can keep up with my content. Follow me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram. There is so much stuff out there for Masonic Improvement. And if you enjoyed any of this, please plug in. Keep up with everything because... I've been making content for a while. There's already a lot out there and there's more to come. I'll see you guys in the next video. Thanks again. Take care, my brothers. And thanks for watching. Later. Is it possible to actually leave the Freemasons once you join? In this little segment of Freemasonry Explained, I'm going to talk about how you can actually leave Freemasonry. So I'm going to explain how you actually can leave Freemasonry and kind of go into the details behind that. For one, just to kind of dispel any myths, and the other reason is because I want to put some actual truth out there. There's all kinds of misconceptions about our fraternity, and usually if I find a misconception that I can talk about, I'm going to try to clear it up. So, the short and sweet, can you leave Freemasonry? Yes, and it's very simple. You stop going to lodge. You can demit from your lodge, which means that you withdraw your membership, and therefore you're not really affiliated with any Masonic bodies no one's going to make you come to your meetings no one's going to force anything out of you you're basically um inactive you're no longer a mason at least at least from a organizational standpoint that being said it's not as cut and dry as that either during your degrees you do receive information about those degrees Uh, you do receive masonic information you really can't take that out of a person Uh, over time they can forget it sure but Um, What really makes you a mason are the things you learn as you go through your degrees. So while you can leave the organization, you're still technically a freemason. So I guess another way to put that is, you can take a man out of freemasonry, but you can't take the freemasonry out of a man. So in my video, why I left freemasonry, um, yes I did. I left the organization. I was no longer an active member. I left the fraternity. Now, I came back, and that's because I was still a Freemason. I had still received the degrees. Um, I was still entitled to actually sit in lodges. Yeah. And, and it's really it's really that simple. Um, so just to clarify, um, if you want to leave Freemasonry, you just stop attending lodges. And eventually, um, people stop asking where you're at. You know, if you have friends that you've been going to lodge with, you can expect uh, a few times probably for them to check up on you and see what's going on. Unless you just made it clear that you have no intention of returning, um, yeah, they'll probably check up on you. But, you know, after a few months, they'll leave you alone. Are you still a Freemason? Yes. You can you can denounce it. You know, you can do whatever you want. But um, you still receive the degrees. You still know the information. The past can't be undone. And, and the experience is what makes you a Freemason. You can't undo the experience. But you can go inactive. You can leave the fraternity. So I hope that clears that up. It is a little complicated, but it's not very much so. It's still pretty straightforward in my opinion. Anyway, that's all I got. See you on the next video. Thanks for watching. Take care. Hey everybody, today I'm going to talk to you about something that gets brought up an awful lot in the comments on my videos, and um, I've just heard throughout throughout my period as a, as a Freemason, which has been probably almost five, 15 years now, so it, it's been a while, and I always hear these accusations about, and it varies, but I always hear accusations about like uh, devil worship uh, worship of uh, Baphomet, uh, worship of Lucifer, things like that, and so the, the purpose of this video is just to kind of, I guess, set the record straight, and I say that knowing that um, if you already just have it determined in your heart that uh, those are the things that Freemasons do, or if you've already, you know, determined that uh, I'm going to be lying to you because I'm a Mason. Well, then, um, you know, you're wasting your time watching the video because you're, you've already made up your mind and you're not going to listen to reason. But for those of you that maybe are uncertain or just heard it somewhere and want to clarify, the fact is that no, none of these things are true. And the fact is that most I even say ninety nine percent of the masons I've ever come across, probably even closer to one hundred percent, because I'm in you know in the south I'm in Texas, uh, almost probably one hundred percent of the masons that I've come across during my fifteen years, are are Christian in some form, and that's not to say that you that you have to be Christian. You just have to have faith in a supreme being, but this 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 idea that. Um, there's some kind of devil worship or anything really is it's it's almost like a polar opposite to the ideals of of fraternity um none of the men i know that are masons would still be masons if that were the case and it's 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 this situation and i've talked about it before where you have people who are non-members who for some reason are experts on the fraternity and know more about it than the actual members themselves. And people also go on and talk about how um, you don't learn the true nature of Freemasonry until you become a 33rd degree Mason. Um, you can, you can. there is a 33rd degree, but um, not, not in the, the way that it's portrayed. You know, the 33rd degree is in an appendant body, which is like a side order. And so it's not... The Blue Lodge is not the main body of Freemasonry; it's just another organization you have to be a Freemason to join. It's the same thing like the York Rite, and, and there, there's there's really no higher degree than the third than the third degree in Freemasonry. Once you're you have to be a Master Mason to receive any of the degrees. They do teach things; they are very valuable degrees. I'm not trying to um, diminish their importance or anything. I am, I personally am a York Rite Mason, you know, I've gone through the chapter and the council degrees and I have received all of the uh, commandry, commandry degrees, you know, for the, the not Templar and everything, but um, I haven't gone Scottish Rite yet, but I can tell you with 100% confidence that there, there is no devil worship in Scottish Rite, and um, I, there's a very, very small percent of people that actually become 33rd degree Masons. You have to be a 32nd degree Mason first, and you have to really have—I um, don't really know—you have to, you have to really separate yourself. You have to really stand out to, to be nominated to, re, to receive the 33rd degree, and and it, it's 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 not. It's, I'm sorry, it's it's not what you. Those of you that, that think it's some kind of evil conspiracy, you think that because you want it to be some kind of evil conspiracy, but it's not. And I'm sorry, look somewhere else. I mean, we can't even agree on when to have our pancake breakfast, let alone take over the world. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I guess I do mean to burst it. Uh, it, it is what it is, and it's, it's not that. And the final note on this is everyone will also and I'll see this in the comments I know it people because people they won't watch the whole video or they won't argue and that is that um, Albert Pike will always get quoted. So I'll say well Albert, Albert Pike said this or he said that Well, I have news for you. Albert Pike is not was not um, he, he was a master mason and he took some other degrees so he was a master mason and I'm a master mason and I'm not saying there, there are there is no There is not and there never was a final authority on Freemasonry Freemasonry belongs to everybody And so just because you know Albert Pike You know he said all these things that are first of all taken out of context but he says all these things, so that must be what everybody believes. And no, you know, I could say a lot of things too, and I'm not the final authority on anything. And I know, like in the grand scheme, but like Fre- Freemasonry, I'm not really anyone significant. But you know, you know, anybody that you might consider uh, an important figure in Freemasonry, you know, they could say this and this and this, and you know, they're 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 not the final they're not the final authority, you know. There, there are things that are said that aren't even negative that you don't have to agree with. You know, any any Mason could say, "No, no, we actually, we are actually devil worshipers. and that doesn't mean <laughs> that does mean he speaks for everybody. That doesn't mean that that's what they are. You can you can write a lot of books and you can you can be very involved in the fraternity. You could be a very influential person like Pike was, but. And you could even be considered an expert, but experts are not always right. And he was also taking out context a lot. Uh, most of the things about Lucifer that he said are either um, made up, or I'm not sorry, not made up, but taking out context or misunderstood in some manner. But I mean, even if he was, even if he had just come out and say, you know what, flat out, you know how he about Lucifer. Um, that's still not true. And even though he said it, I mean, it's, it's not true. You could, you could, but anybody who has gone through all the degrees, um, they can tell you that's not the case. There's no, there's no devil worship or anything like that going on. So that, that's, that's really, that's really all there is to it. That's all I'm going to say. And, um, I know people are going to blow this, this up. They're going to, you know, I, I know I'm kind of asking for a lot of probably rude comments by, by making a video like this. But it's important. It's an important thing that needs to be explained about the fraternity because it is a huge misconception that there's some kind of nefarious uh, goings-on or or some kind of devil worship or anything like that. No, there's nothing like that. And like I said, none of the men I know would be involved in fraternity if that was the case. Um, Devil worship and things like that, they are so uh, against the grain for what Freemasonry actually stands for. That there's really no place for it in the fraternity whatsoever, and uh, I know I said that you have to have faith in the supreme deity, and I've actually seen it before asked where you know what if you believe in Lucifer as the supreme deity, and I I I don't know of any lodge that would permit that to join, um, so I'm just I'm just telling you straight up no there's no place for it in the fraternity anyway that's all I had to say about this thanks again as always for watching um, if you don't follow me on Facebook. Be sure that you click the link below and hit like my page so you can keep up with everything going on. Um, I'll tell you that I probably am not going to be posting as regular as I, as I have been in the past. And this will probably be going on for a few months. There's been some some changes going on. You may have noticed my background has changed. I've uh, moved into a new position at my, at my job. Um, I have a new member of my family. And there are lots of other things going on that really need me to shift my my time priorities right now. So I'm not walking away from the project or anything, obviously, because I just made another video. But um, in the past, I was trying to do at least one video a week. And we'll just see how that goes. It may be be, one or two a month for a while. So bear with me. Thanks again, as always, for watching. And I'll see you on the next video, whenever that is. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Justin with Masonic Improvement. This is going to be the second official video for my Freemasonry Explained playlist. And the title of this video is going to be, What is a Freemason? Now in my last video, um, What is Freemasonry? I covered the organization in, in a very broad sense. And now I'm going to focus more specifically on the individual membership. And this is going to be a pretty short video because I have a quotation from the Farmer's Almanac of 1823. And it is something I've shared in the past on my Facebook page. It's something that I have um, read and reread numerous times. And really, I personally, I can find no flaw in this interpretation of what is a Freemason. So, uh, without any further ado, I will just get right into it. So, uh, this is again, it's quoted from the Farmer's Almanac of 1823. And it goes on to say, A real Freemason is distinguished from the rest of mankind by the uniform, unrestricted rectitude of his conduct. Other men are honest in fear of punishment, which the law might inflict. They are religious in expectation of being rewarded, or in dread of the devil in the next world. A Freemason would be just if there were no laws, human or divine, except those written in his heart by the finger of his Creator. In every climate, under every system of religion, he is the same. He kneels before the universal throne of God in gratitude for the blessing he has received and humble solicitation for his future protection. He venerates the good men of all religions. He gives no offense because he does not choose to be offended. He contracts no debts, which he is certain he cannot discharge because he is honest upon principle. And once again, that was from the Farmer's Almanac of 1823. And that, my friends, is what I think is the best uh, summary of what is a Freemason. If you, if you know of any summaries or explanations that you feel better fit the um, question of what is a Freemason, Please leave a comment below and share your thoughts because I would love to uh, expand my understanding as well. If this is something that sounds interesting to you at all, if these are the kind of men that you would like to associate yourself with, then I will encourage you to check out the link I'm going to put. I never know what corner it's going to be in, but uh, how to become a Freemason and check that out and see if that's something that may be interesting to you. Otherwise... If you haven't checked out my Facebook page before, uh, please see the link below. I post lots of things on a pretty regular basis, so that's a great way to keep up with me. That's all I have for today. Thanks again for joining me, and I'll see you in the next video. Take care. Hey everybody. So for this video, we're going to talk about something very fundamental, which is what is Freemasonry. Now, the reason that I'm even making this video is because there is a lot of information out there on the internet, and there's also a lot of misinformation out there. And for a potential candidate or someone just doing research um, that doesn't really know what the best sources are, you can very easily be misled about what we actually are and what we do. So in this video, we're strictly just going to talk about what Freemasonry is. And I'm going to leave a lot of basic facts out because you can Google that. For example, you know, Freemasonry is the world's oldest fraternal organization and has been around in an organized fashion since 1717. And that's that's about as far back as like, our records go. There may be some other historical documents that kind of hint that we were around before that, but like the concrete evidence really states about 1717. Freemasonry is a fraternity. That means men only. Now, there are other organizations that brand themselves as Freemasonry that allow women to join. That is another topic for another day. Just understand that authentic Freemasonry is a fraternity, and it's very strictly a fraternity. So that being said, let's talk a little bit more. Let's go a little bit deeper into what Freemasonry actually is. And so I like to look at it like a mastermind group. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with mastermind groups, it's a whole bunch of like-minded people that get together, and it's based off this whole principle of iron sharpens iron. So if you get a whole bunch of men together that are really focused on improving themselves, then they will benefit from their associations with one another. And that is because they will challenge each other to become better men. And that's really, I think, the the basis of what Freemasonry is. Because from the moment you are, are approved to join, the moment you receive your first degree, you're constantly being challenged to become a better man. And by becoming a better man, you also become a better Mason. You could also say you're challenged to become a better mason and by the same, you know, you'll become a better man through that as well. So they're very closely related. Um, I find that the traditional values that you normally associate with being a man are also the same values that you associate with being a mason. So if you're a good man, you'll probably be a good mason. If you're a good mason, then you'll probably be a good man, you know. And, and I, I say probably, but it, it's, it's a very high probability. And as long as I'm talking about what we are, I should probably go ahead and talk about what we're not. We are not the Illuminati. We are not devil worshippers. Basically, as an organization, we do not engage in any illegal, immoral, unethical activities, or anything of the sort. In fact, those types of things are polar opposite of what we represent. And so people may, may try to associate us with those things. It just does not happen. In fact... If you were to be found out to be doing many of these things you would be removed from the fraternity we have very high standards for membership and we try to hold people to those standards other things you should know is that we're not a service organization joining us will not make you rich and we are not like the elite of society or anything like that so now that you watch this video if what we are sounds appealing to you in any way then I encourage you to check out my other video, How to Become a Freemason, which I will link somewhere up here, and, and take that step a little bit further. If that's not what you're looking for, then, you know, thank you for watching anyway. So that's all I got to say about this. Um, there'll be a whole series of these coming out also, just very basic stuff, and um, just, I'm just trying to cover the fundamentals when I'm trying, and this is going to be in my Freemasonry Explained playlist. So if this is appealing to you, just check out the playlist. I'm gonna lay everything out, you know, that I can. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you on the next video. Take care.